Tub Shots, episode 133. We talk about Facebook engagement, the good and bad of email outreach, we talk about strategy versus tactics, and we talk about data transfer pain. All that and more coming up in this episode of HubShots. You're listening to APAC's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features, and strategies for growing your marketing results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Hallingan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Bailey from Dan Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, really well. And gee, what a great day we've had and so much to get through in this episode. I know. It's been a cracker of a day. It's been a cracker. Let's jump in. All right. On to our inbound thought of the week, Craig. Facebook page engagement is dropping. Now... I guess this is not surprising. Well, hashtag no one is surprised, yeah. <laughs> and this is actually from uh, highlighted, there's a blog post on HubSpot and Hubs- also on yeah, Buffer. H- HubSpot do a blog post about Buffer's blog post, which is extensive, which is about BuzzSumo's research <laughs> into it. So we've got all the links in, in, in the show notes. But yeah, they basically, BuzzSumo, of course, uh, massive reach across Facebook. They can analyze stuff. Yeah. Buffer pulled it together and found out, well, unsurprisingly, yeah, your engagement and reach is declining in the Facebook newsfeed. And pretty clever on uh, HubSpot doing a Buffer Facebook page post analysis. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I haven't actually checked this. I was going to check whether the HubSpot post outranked the Buffer one. Yeah, but, but- so we're going to talk about some takeaways from here, Craig. Mm. Going to highlight four things here. Engagement is pretty much dropping across the board for brands, both in terms of actual visibility and then in the interaction with the viewed content. And I'm seeing this across pages that we manage. What's the second one? Well, they did actually look at posting frequency. Yeah. And I don't want people to take this as, oh, this is what I should do because you should always test a measure. But what they are finding is actually you need to be posting at least once a day on Facebook and up to five times a day, which seemed high to me, is actually okay. And after that, it's diminishing returns. Uh, Yeah, but up to five times a day. Now, the the important to understand, if you do post that amount, you get less engagement per post, but you actually get the most engagement for your brand page. So if you can post five times a day, maybe you should try doing that. However, there's other takeaways from this as well. Would I be right in saying, in general, images are doing better than videos in terms of interactions? They are, actually. They found that. And that's surprising, perhaps, because there's been such a push. For video, Oh, you've got to be doing video on Facebook. Seems like that, well, there was the initial, like every new kind of format a year or two ago. Yep, that's... Yeah, and I'm going to share something. I just did all my session bookings for Inbound. Right. And there was a lot of emphasis on video and doing live video and types of video to increase engagement, reach, and so on, which actually I'm not surprised, but it's very interesting given this stat that we've just come across. Yeah, and also the other thing to mention, this was about interactions with it. So you can actually measure view time on videos, how much of a video people watch, but there's no actual measurement of how long they look at an image. So this is just interaction with that kind of content as opposed to how often they saw it. So you could watch, maybe they're spending more time actually watching video than they actually spent actually seeing an image, but the interaction was higher with images, yeah. I think the other thing to mention is why is it declining? And I guess there were a number of reasons. That's right. Well, more competitions, more people actually on Facebook now. You know, they're they're trying to make it easy and easy to get on Facebook and advertise on Facebook. There's higher quality content, so people are actually spending a fair bit of... uh, money in, in investing in content quality. And of course, like Google, <laughs> Facebook changing their newsfeed algorithm. 
and seeing more news in the in the feeds. So. Especially more personal stuff there. Yes. Well, that's the current flavour of the month, more personal stuff. So, yeah, you're competing with more actual brands that you're competing with, more you're competing with higher quality content that people yes. are producing. You're competing with Facebook's own algorithm <laughs> and you're also competing with ads in the newsfeed. So it's, look, in general, it's going down. You can work harder and harder at Facebook and you're going to get less and less engagement. But uh, yeah, right. it's about, it's actually about ROI. You've actually got to work out the effort you put into Facebook. Does it give you a return? Because Correct. it still might be higher than other platforms. Yes. And I'd suggest for many industries, it still is. All right, now onto our marketing feature of the week, Craig, and we want to highlight the Mic My Persona tool. Now, this is something that HubSpot had and was available to everybody. And if you go to HubSpot.com slash make-my-persona, you will actually see that or just Google that. And why we wanted to highlight it is because they've actually, like they've been upgrading all of the UI in the tool, they've upgraded this interface and made it a lot nicer and we want to say thank you to tara yeah shout out to tara for highlighting this yes I, she told me oh, have you seen the hubspot make my persona tool i'm like mm, yeah i have oh actually it's been updated very nice it's much better it's so much better and this might not be new i might just not have noticed it, it might it might have slipped in months ago for all i know but um i was used to the old make my persona.com tool yeah Tricks. So I think the the thing here is that whole UI is now consistent with the HubSpot interface and you'll see how they're changing things even when you're spinning up a new account and those steps to actually, the first things to do, you know, make sure you familiarize yourself with the dashboard, create a lead flow. There's a little tip for everybody, create a lead flow. You know, you've imported your contacts in perhaps, understand where your traffic's coming from. These are all really key things, but I just like the consistency of everything. I think that's where they're winning the battle at the moment. I agree. Here's the way I think about things. I I look at this and I go, wow, someone internally would have championed this idea. We've got makemypersona.com, probably doing really well, older style, uh, it's generating leads. Someone would have put forward the suggestion, I think we should redesign this, bring it back onto the HubSpot portal, uh, HubSpot domain rather, and see if we get a better conversion rate does it lead to better conversions someone is measuring this and there's obviously been money put into this like it's an expensive you know nice nice redesign they've done someone's checking the results i'd love to know those results so please hubspot when you do this stuff put out a blog post that tells us what the difference is what increase did you get in conversions and return for the money you spent to redesign this tool yes it's obviously been a big winner for them uh, for a long time love to know if it's even better now all right, onto our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. And this is a this is an enterprise problem, right? This so, is a gotcha. When you told me about this, wow, this is a gotcha. Yes, it is a gotcha, and I have to admit that uh, I was in the middle of this gotcha. <laughs> I caused it, and what happened was we had. I'll give you a little background. Enterprise uh, has the ability to have multiple URLs, and you can manage multiple sites and multiple domains. We had a portal that we upgraded from a basic to an enterprise. And then I started moving one of our clients, other brands onto the portal. So I moved one of their other brands in, wasn't the primary domain or primary brand. And then I went, well, okay, well, they've got their primary brand. I've moved this in now, right? So did all that. I was like, this is fantastic. It's all working. Naming conventions really important in enterprise. And I went, okay, I'm going to switch that URL to the domain, the primary domain, I wanted to switch it to their main brand as all the other ones are used for niche markets in in essence. I did that. And then about a few days later, I was going through the portal as I was transferring more sites into this, 
And I thought, I'm just going to have a look. I'll organize things into folders and name things appropriately because that's what you need to do when you've got a massive amount of pages and landing pages. And I discovered all of the URLs that were previously the default or the main URL had been now changed to the new site that I had actually brought on. And I was like, oops. And I had to go through all of the landing pages and the website pages and change that back to the previous URL that it was. So there's the gotcha. If you're going to do that, don't forget that step. That's quite a gotcha. And just to take it back a step, just so I understand it. So it changed the domains on the pages that had that previous Previous. default domain. Yes. And in some ways, I can understand the logic. The person that programmed that said, oh, default domain, I want this landing page attached to the default domain. I don't want it attached to, you know, whatever original hard-coded what that default domain is. I actually want it attached always to whatever the default domain is. So I can understand the logic in that. But when you go and change the default domain on your portal, I'm surprised it didn't pop up to tell you, oh, by the way, it'll do this. Oh, and also, did it create redirects? Yes, it did. Yeah, so you had to go through and unwind all of those. You had to go and undo all of those as mm. well. So, yeah. there it is. Gotcha, yeah. Don't be foolish. Well, that wasn't foolish. That was just, um, it, it's just a gotcha. That's right. That's exactly, all, that's all it is, yeah. All right, marketing tip of the week, Craig. And this is marketing automation tips. Okay, here's a tip for what not to do. All right, so I'll just tell you, I... Um, I signed up for a tool. Uh, which, uh, yeah, which I was, we were talking about the previous week, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I won't mention it. I, it's in the show notes if you want to go and find out. But I signed up for this tool. And by the way, it, it bombed out when I was doing the setting up a campaign in yes. this tool. So I'd had an error and I'd been in touch with support, going backwards and forwards with them. Anyway, it's a couple of days after I've signed up. So I get the automated email from them. You know, they've obviously got a, a workflow that says, oh, person signed up, but they haven't created a campaign yet. Three days later, send them a follow-up. And the email comes from the CEO. Hi, I'm Bill, Bill, CEO, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to know what's the problem, what's the holdup. Okay, so first of all, I'm like, well, have you not seen the support requests? Maybe he hasn't, you know. So I reply, I go, oh, hi. Just checking, have you seen the support request? Because I'm actually working this out with someone, right? I send that, immediately I get a reply. Thanks for creating a ticket. So... <laughs> The CEO has emailed me. Yeah. He's from this startup, right? It's a software. Let me know your problems. What's the feedback? I reply. It's just gone to a support email. Yes. And it's created a ticket, which has then emailed me to say, oh, thanks for creating a ticket. We'll check it out and get back to you within 24 hours or some other. Malarkey. I'm malarkey. (laughs) And I'm just like, that's a really bad experience. And so here's my tip for listeners. Just think through that process. Someone hasn't thought that through. I can understand that their workflow didn't account for customer support queries. Yeah. But to send something from the CEO and then a replies goes to support, that's a bad experience. Makes them look bad. So, yeah, there's my tip. With your marketing automation, don't fall into the trap of just keeping it within marketing. If you're representing the CEO or someone else in your business and they send an email out, at least reply to them. So I want to highlight, obviously, we spoke about, we had episode 129 with Michael Redboard. And it's a great one about support, right? If you've got customers, you've got to have customer support, right? And think about these little things that actually happen. Like I was doing a campaign for a customer today and I said, you know, the CEO said, look, I want to include in this opening that we're doing, I'm going to have some time where people can, I'll, I'll give people half an hour of my time to book. 
so they can come and show me what they're doing and I'll give them some advice. I thought that's a really good idea, right? Building relationships with people that are buying your product. Anyway, I was like, well, that email should come from him. And we're not talking like a huge amount of people. We're talking like 20 people. And I thought to myself, that really should come from you. Mm, and Absolutely. And not from anybody else. Oh, no, I don't want that to come from me. It'll clog up my email box. That needs to go from no reply oh. at company name. Oh. I thought to myself, oh, that's a big fail, right? Hashtag face palm. <laughs> so anyway, don't do that, right? If you need to. So there are ways to get around this. If you are going to email someone like Brian Halligan, which is in everybody's HubSpot portal, bhalligan at HubSpot.com, he's there for a reason, right? I wonder how people actually write to Brian and then say, hey, Brian, I want to, you know, do this or talk about that. Why don't you create an alias email that is your name or a, something that you use that you can actually filter out in your mailbox and actually respond or get someone to look at it? rather than just saying, I don't want to hear anything from this email and we'll just junk it somewhere. Because at the end of the day, just think, email is a communication between two people, right? If I send you an email and I don't want you to reply, don't send me the email, right? The expectation is I can reply to that. So don't Absolutely. do a no reply on uh, that. What are you, pretending to be some nameless bank? That's right. Yeah, you know? So I think be really careful. Send it from someone. And this is what I love about HubSpot, which they've done from the day dot, is no matter who the person is, there's always somebody's face and name associated with that email. Yeah. Even though we've never heard of the person, you can identify them from HubSpot. There's, you know, there's branding guidelines that they adhere to. And it always has some level of personalization. So you actually know who that person is. It's not from no reply. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually just going to give you an example of a good experience I had. This was a while ago, but yep. just that what you said there, sending from a no reply, reminded me I was dealing with Legal Vision. They're a uh, legal company um, here in Sydney, actually probably Australia-wide now. They're growing rapidly, excellent company. And uh, we use them, um, we use them for our legal stuff. Their CEO, I think I'd signed up for an ebook or something like that. And I got a note from, uh, well, from their CEO, you know, it was was done via marketing automation. I don't know what that tool they were using, but I think his name's Lachlan, Lachlan McKnight. And so I actually replied because I thought, yeah, but he won't read this. Because I like to test these companies when they send. I'm always interested or curious about how people respond. So I replied back and said, oh, by the way, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I got a reply from him from his iPhone. So it was actually an example of what done right. So the email had been sent from marketing automation. It's part of a workflow. Okay, great. I reply. He replies from his iPhone thing. And so it's a, it's a, That's a good experience. It's a good experience. Yeah. And I'm like, and by the way, they're a rapidly growing company, very successful. He's going to be really busy, right? Not like this other stuff I'm dealing with. So it's not like, oh, he's, you know, just starting out. He's got all the time. No, very successful company. So it doesn't matter the size of your company and how busy you are. Get it right. Because it made an impression on me. We're talking about it now on the show. So it's, yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Now, our bonus marketing tip of the week, Craig. We've got some latest Google algorithm updates. And this is actually quite a big algorithm change Massive, for yeah. August. And you would have probably seen there is a lot of people talking about it. So... Moz.com has a great article about it, Search Engine Land as well. So we encourage you to actually look at the show notes and go and read about them. Yeah, so we're recording this on the 16th of August. This started rolling out on the 1st of August, this new Google algorithm update. I guess by the time this show goes out, probably in September by the time you're hearing this, it might be old news, but still worth reviewing some of these early posts just to learn about the um, immediate effects 
And a shout out to Adam. Adam, yeah, and Adam and Louisa up in Byron Bay doing it tough. Um, oh, they're always doing kicking it tough, back, they're kicking great. back with the mojitos. Maybe we need to go to Byron to record an episode. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's, uh, you know, you know, deal, deal with the listeners, you know. It's the personal touch. All right, HubSpot sales switch of the week, Craig. And I'm going to talk about this because we have been migrating data from one CRM into HubSpot and from actually a HubSpot portal. And this is to do with that client I was talking to you about before that went from a basic to an enterprise. I was actually migrating data off one of their basic portals into the enterprise portal. And I was using import two for one of them. Mm-hmm. And because I wanted to try and get as, or preserve much of the data as possible within the HubSpot portal as I could, as opposed to just extracting a file and then loading it in. So I'm testing it out. I've been testing two. One has been rather slow in responding and the other one has been pretty seamless, I have to say. But what I want to say is that this is, when we talk about sales, this is one of those things that happens where people either don't have a system or they're putting data in for the first time and trying to preserve as much data so that there's that seamless transition, I think is actually quite important. And so there's quite a few providers out there that provide a service to migrate data. Mm. So I wanted to highlight that because I've had some pretty terrible <laughs> i know i've been um uh, before the show hearing about some of wow they're bad some are really bad so yes that it's always hard when it's a third party tool but are you actually able to recommend is there a, a tool or a vendor you would recommend no so i'm testing two i'm just mm. i have i have mentioned one in the show and it kind of got highlighted to me because they've just done some sort of a connect integration with HubSpot. Okay. And it's called Import2. And that's the one I use to actually migrate from one HubSpot mm. portal into another. Okay. So, and that seemed to work pretty seamless. Again, not everything gets across. So you really have to know you've got to map the right fields and mm. so on. So even the whole strategy about moving data around, I've had to, I've kind of had two goes at this to try and make it work. Yeah. And I'll share more around that as I've done it and so people can learn from that experience yeah look it is tough and we we've used a um third party service uh they wanted to connect uh microsoft uh, dynamics crm yep. with hubspot and we use them oh i've just had a mental blank on their name really well known oh linton web they were yep. oh yes they were excellent because it was a managed integration. Like they took care of it. Yes. We just handed over to them. You guys work out all the mapping yep. and do all, and it's quite expensive, mind you. But it is. They just took care of everything and made sure it all worked because it's a headache. Mm. Like it's really hard to do some of that stuff and they were good, yeah. That's right. All right, on to our opinion of the week, Craig. And this is we're going to talk about strategy versus tactics. All right, so first off, uh, an article on Medium, Ashley Mayer talking about I thought this was good because people often start with strategy. In fact, we try to start with strategy with clients. But this is, it's slightly contrarian. It's saying it's actually okay not to start with a strategy. Go in with some tactics if you're new to a market industry or scenario, test and measure and let that inform where your strategy is going to go to. And I actually like this because we actually do this intuitively in some cases, especially a new platform. And you'll know Gary Vee always jumps on something. Yeah, just try it out. In some ways, his strategy is, oh, I don't have a strategy. I just try it out, right? And and I think that's okay. So this is a good article about that, saying it's okay. Don't get too bogged down in strategy. But then on the flip side, as usual, Farnham Street blog. 
Yes, we love fun and street blog. It makes you smarter just reading it. I That's tell you right. what, I feel my IQ going up reading this stuff. It's awesome. But they've got a good article talking about strategy versus tactics and just some of the ideas. We've got a few quotes here that um, I thought would be interesting yep. uh, to listeners. So the first one, in good strategy, bad strategy... Richard Rumelt writes, the most basic idea of strategy is the application of strength against weaknesses. Or if you prefer, strength applied to the most promising opportunity. A good strategy doesn't just draw on existing strength, it creates strength. Yeah, I think that's really, that's a nice quote, a way to think about it, creating strength. Yes. Strategy creates strength. Really good. And the next one is, according to the skilled strategist Sun Tzu, (laughs) strategy is about winning before the battle begins, while tactics are about striking at weaknesses. So two little excerpts from the Farm Street blog there. Go and read the whole thing. It's really good. And just talking about the difference between strategy and tactics. So, yeah. What's the kind of range you I'd be interested? How do you deal? What's your first engagement with a client? Do you talk strategy or tactics or what's it? Is it typical MO or is it different? In my naivety when I started, it was Mm. all tactics. Mm. And now we've really gone to working and talking about strategy first because as what we do has become more sophisticated, what I have discovered is people do lots of tactical things but have no strategy around it and you get a lot of disjointed pieces of things happening that is actually not driving a result at all. Mm. They're kind of like this person that's pulled from pillar to post doing five different things and even if there's the five different things, it's actually not heading in the same direction Yeah, and not giving them a result. It's not amplifying whatever they're doing. It's basically tearing apart everything they're doing. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, though. Do you actually find, though, that you go in and it, although the conversation is around tactics, you're actually bringing a strategic framework to it? Yes. And I think that's possibly a problem with agencies. They do... They're coming from a position of strategy, but they talk tactics and okay. it confuses the customer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right, because I just think about it. Like, I I often get the question, people go, I don't really understand what you do, because if they talk about Google Ads, Facebook advertising, SEO, people get SEO and Google Ads mixed up all the time, right? Right, right. And they go, so what do you do? Even though they don't understand, they want to put you in a pigeonhole somewhere about what you do. Not really understanding, really, we're providing a service that grows businesses And, you know, maybe Google Ads is not right for you. Maybe Facebook Ads is better for you. Maybe email marketing is the best channel you have because you've got a big database. And it's understanding all of these things and what the outcome is on the other side that makes you choose the channel, right? And I think people don't get that. Like, they're looking for, well, put me somewhere that I understand that I can fit you in. When when they can't fit you in this box, then there's problems. (laughs) And I think that's the hard bit. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think it's good. Uh, you're a good example about choosing the channel. It's like, oh, that's often where the discussion is. But going back to this idea of, well, from that one of those excerpts, you're an application of strength against weakness. You can come in. So, you know, my flavor of the month is Instagram for yes. me to be, which still has got, you know, opportunity. Massively underutilized. Already I'm talking about tactics right there. So they're hearing, oh, Instagram tactic. No, I don't like that tactic. Actually, what I'm thinking in my mind, which I haven't communicated well to them is, oh, hang on from a position of strength because you've got this content, let's say, and there's uh, opportunity in the market, lower competition, and there's weakness in the And I'm kind of thinking through all that, and I'm actually, I'm also thinking cost per acquisition. That's right. Which, to my own mistake, I'm not actually talking to them because I'm actually thinking, oh, how can I get the most leads? 
at a reduced price to drive revenue. So you and I are thinking that, but actually the conversation, unfortunately, we've fallen into the trap of talking Instagram versus AdWords. Okay. And that's the problem. It's something we as agencies need to do better. Yeah. We also need to communicate the overarching strategy versus tactics framework, I guess, for our clients as well. And maybe listeners, that's helpful to you as well. Now we're on to our outreach tactic of the week, Craig. This I is love, a very tactical I love, episode. I love how you chose tactic as the shot seven. Yeah. Now, this was an email I got from a company called Watergraph. And it was really interesting. So the CEO emails, supposedly the sales guy, right? And then maybe this is real. And goes, oh, Craig, I noticed Ian is using HubSpot. I think he would be great for our service. Why don't you reach out to him? Right? So what what does Bill do? So Craig, so Bill then sends, forwards that email onto Craig saying, Craig, oh, I just wanted to connect with you because I think what we have to offer you will actually be fantastic since you're a HubSpot user. Would you like to book in some time? And so you're now reading this thread and you're going, hang on. So this guy has then told the other guy to then tell you that you got to, that you're a great fit for the product. And I went, Oh, that's rather interesting. So I forwarded to you. Yeah. And that's where we've got this. Uh, yeah, right. So just so that I fully understand, you've received an email forwarded on to you, supposedly from someone at this company that yes. wants to partner with you. And what they've forwarded on is supposedly the CEO of that company talking internally to a person in the company saying, Ian would be great for us. So (laughs) they've forwarded on to you as if the CEO has shown interest. So uh, do you actually think it's real or contrived internal email? Well, funny you say that. I just went to my email box to find that email and I've just got another reply from that person. Oh, great. Saying, Ian, is there any reason you weren't interested in discussing about this to leverage your team's performance? So it's just a nice little sequence. Yeah. With good personalization. So it's all automated. So the tactic of the week... So let me let me just check outreach tactic of the week or highlighted tactic of the week, perhaps not recommended tactic of the week, is a supposed contrived internal discussion that gets supposedly forwarded on to you as an outreach. Well, let me read you the email, right? This yeah, is how okay. it's done. Yeah, so yeah, this okay. is the original email. So let's let's say that um, let's let's say this is Brian and Damesh, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is da- this is Brian. Brian Brian sends an email to Damesh saying. Hey, Damesh, I see Search and Be Found is offering digital marketing services on LinkedIn and they've got quite a few people. Seems like it's their similar agencies that we deal with. Might be worth getting in touch with uh, Craig um, to find out. Ian. Maybe get get in touch with Ian and find out more about what they're doing around marketing automation. Do you think you could reach (laughs) reach out to Ian? So, of course... What does Damesh do? He goes, he, he replies to that email and goes, oh, hi, Ian. My CEO advised me to get in touch with you regarding your marketing automation tools. For the context, we help agencies like yours use marketing automation. Yeah. Here's an example of something we've done. Right. Bottom well, line this is... This outreach email is an example. <laughs> Bottom line, <laughs> you don't need to spend hours you know, using marketing tools because HubSpot is the best, leaving you more time to spend with your clients. And do you think that uh, Search and Be Found would be interested in this? Yeah. Well, it did. it's certainly a good, good idea. I wonder what their results are. I bet it does get good results. 
Anyway, there's a whole series of this. He's, he's kept trying to contact me. I haven't yeah. responded. Yeah, so maybe that's the problem because... <laughs> and he dropped first, myself out of the sequence. Yeah, at first you weren't sure if it was contrived or not, but, but now because it's part of a sequence, it's pretty much sure it's contrived, right? Totally. All yeah, pre, you know pre. what? It, it kind of is pre, but I think because we live in this space, we've kind of picked up what's going on. But yeah. I think to the average user, they would probably have think that... Um, mm. Damesh is actually emailing them. Yeah, there you go. All right, take it for all right. Son. Wow, we're way over time. Wow, so much to cover this week. All right, on to our resource that we create. Uh, Larry Kim's just posted on Twitter a screenshot we've put in the show notes on the perfect blog post, just layout and content ideas, subhead, etc. Take a look at that. Yes, and I want to highlight this because I see this happening all the time. People making mistakes, not putting CTAs in your blog posts. Quote of the week, Craig, take it away. Apt for the show. And it's, if you don't have a strategy, you are part of someone else's strategy. And that's from Alvin Toffler. All right. Now in the show, there's many bonus links this week. So if you're not driving your car, running on the beach, you could have a look at those. Now we would love you to take a screenshot of this podcast, what you're listening to, and put down one thing that you've learned to help everybody in the community know what is helping each other out. And we'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts as that really helps us. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.